You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines with your host, veteran journalist, Darren Nichols. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Darren Nichols. Our guest today I've known for nearly 20 years, and if my memory serves me correctly, I met Garland Doyle when he was a legislative aide for then-Councilwoman Brenda Scott. These days, these days, Garland is city clerk in Pontiac, so welcome to the show, Garland. Thank you. Um, since people are not familiar with you and what you have done, sort of tell us about yourself and, and uh, what has happened in your career. Um, like you said, we met over uh, 20 years ago, kind of hard to believe, but um, I started off working for the uh, Detroit City Council for the late Councilwoman Brenda Scott after uh, I graduated from uh, Wayne State University. Then I went to work in the uh, mayor's office, and ultimately I was the uh, deputy director of the Human Services Department for the city of Detroit. Then spent a couple years outside of government, and for the last nine years, I've been with the uh, city of Pontiac, and I've been the uh, city clerk since October of 2018. Okay. Um, one one of the before we kind of get into some of the nuts and bolts of of what was going on, um, I want to get to talk a little bit about this because we don't really talk about how uh, people like you deal with people in the media. And so, since we worked around each other since around ninety nine or so, there's sort of a myth that um, people in government can't get along with journalists. So, what made our professional relationship work, and what did you expect out of me as a journalist? Uh, to be fair, I found you to be uh, fair when I was working for uh, Councilwoman Scott, uh, and I think the the key uh, to a working relationship is fair and accurate uh, reporting. Okay. And so what took you to my style of reporting? I mean, was it being fair and accurate? Was it um, that I was diligent in terms of trying to learn things? What What was it that struck you about um, the reporting that I that I had done? I would say, again, the, the fairness and the uh, accuracy. Okay. I found you to be you know, fair and accurate. Okay. And you mentioned this earlier, um, but because of Brenda Scott's death, you had to transition over to the Kilpatrick administration. Talk a little bit about um, working for the Kilpatrick administration and then um, talk to me a little bit about uh, how it was after working for him trying to uh, disassociate uh, yourself with um, former Mayor Kilpatrick. Well, I worked for the uh, Kilpatrick administration for four years. Um, I did community relations in the uh, mayor's office. And after I left the city of Detroit, based on the things that were going on, I found it hard to um, find a job um, for a while. Uh, So I guess what I learned from that whole experience is that your reputation in essence matters as an individual. So 
I've always tried to be um, fair, transparent, thorough in everything that I um, do. And because you mentioned um, we met when I was working for uh, Councilwoman Brenda Scott, and that was my first uh, political job. And her model kind of was putting citizens first. So I've tried to adapt that model all throughout my career, and I still hold true to those values of putting citizens first. Okay. And so when you were in your tough moments, sort of how did you get through that and how did you finally get someone to um, take you beyond um, the Kilpatrick administration? Uh, Relationships uh, matter, Um, and that's part of the reason I ended up here in the, uh, the city of Pontiac, a former colleague of mine was uh, working for the uh, city of Pontiac. It was during the time that the city of Pontiac was under emergency management. And she gave me um, an opportunity, and that was uh, Kathy Square. Okay. And I'm uh, very appreciative of that uh, opportunity. So I would say that if you uh, do great work, it does get recognized by um, some individuals. Okay. Um, on, a little bit of separ- on a little bit of a separate note, um, I'm sure you've read in the, in the papers in the last couple of days uh, the recent developments of Rob Blagojevich um, having his sentence commuted and having people who are now outspoken about uh, Kwame Kilpatrick uh, getting the same kind of treatment. Talk to me a little bit about that and, and just um, what you think about that and maybe the fascination about it um, from from your point of view. Now, that I really haven't uh, thought about. Um, it's actually been 13 years since I've been uh, working for the uh, city of Pontiac. I'm really focused now on the um, city of Pontiac. And as you know, the uh, medical marijuana process that's currently undergoing in the city of Pontiac, and then as well as the upcoming presidential uh, primary that's on March 10th. The city clerk has a lot of responsibilities. So I've kind of been just really focused on the city of Pontiac. Okay. And so we're going to kind of move on to uh, your current job. Um, How is it being the clerk um, and what does it mean for you? And also explain what a clerk does because most people um, only see the clerk when something goes wrong. Um, And the media sort of jumps in and and says the clerk messed up the elections. And so talk to me a little bit about that. And then also talk to me a a little bit about because you've been a behind the scenes person for a long time. And now this is kind of pushing you out in uh, the front of what's going on. So talk to me about both of those. Well, uh, I'll start with the clerk is the uh, official record keeper of the city. So all official records, uh, documents, ordinances, and resolutions are maintained by the uh, clerk. In addition to that, the uh, clerk serves as the clerk of the uh, city council and also as the chief elections officer of the city. And then in addition to that, in 2018, the voters of the city of Pontiac approved an ordinance that permitted medical marijuana in the city. And the way the ordinance was written, it gave the clerk the responsibility to oversee uh, that process as well, uh, too. So you're right. Normally, um, clerks are kind of behind the scenes, but based upon this medical marijuana ordinance. And then again, 
when it's election time, you always hear about the clerk if something um, has went wrong with the um, election. Uh, you mentioned the fact that I have um, been behind the scenes a lot, and um, I do enjoy being behind the scenes, but this is, you know, giving me an opportunity to um, not necessarily be behind the scenes, but I still try to hold true to my values of being transparent and upfront with people and giving them all the information that they're asking for. And how how hard has that trans tra- uh, that transition been? Um, you know, for someone who is given counsel for uh, the person so they can say it to now being the person who has to talk about the policy and everything that that is going on. Uh, it's a little different. What I have realized before as like as advising um, political or uh, appointed um, leaders, you know, like well, you need to do this, but it's kind of a little different when you're a thrust into the uh, spotlight. So you have to be prepared to uh, answer questions. Okay. Um, moving on, uh, you talked about it a little bit earlier, but we're going to go a little bit more in depth about the medical marijuana issue in Pontiac. Um, talk a little bit about sort of, um, well, first of all, explain to people who do not know what's going on uh, in terms of uh, Pontiac and the medical marijuana issue. And then also talk to me a little bit about um, how it's been such a roller coaster ride since voters approved uh, the measure in what two years ago? Well, what the the voters approved was a medical marijuana, not recreational uh, a marijuana. I think recreational marijuana I think was approved statewide, um, you know, last year. But um, the city of Pontiac has opted out of recreational marijuana. So all we have is medical marijuana. And it allows for 20 provisioning centers. People are probably more familiar as them dispensaries. So where you can actually uh, purchase the uh, medical marijuana. And then unlimited grower, processor, secure transporter, and safety uh, compliance. The city, after the ordinance was voted by the um, voters, enacted a zoning ordinance which created three medical marijuana over what we're referring to as overlay districts. Cesar Chavez, Walton Boulevard, downtown, and then a fourth nun overlay. So I said we can license up to 20 facilities. No more than five can be in each one of those uh, districts. As it relates to the uh, process, what I've really learned is it's a big difference between what an ordinance is written in as far as implementation of an ordinance. Implementation can be a lot different from what is actually in the ordinance because I guess implementation in a sense is a matter of interpretation. Right. And so how hard has it been sort of getting it implemented? Because, you know, for a long time, uh, at least some of the people in the media um, had thought that Pontiac has been um, dragging their feet on it. Um, there were people that were in the industry who were frustrated about what's going on. So talk to me a little bit about all of that. That may be true, but I, I think the main difference in Pontiac, as you know, there are a lot of other cities that actually have medical marijuana facilities up and running, but then they uh, ran into problems later is that we're really trying to, in essence, get this right. So as people 
ask questions about the ordinances, about measurements, um, whether uh, you have to be zoned properly before or after the fact of applying. Um, we had to work through all of those particular uh, issues uh, first. So we have um, now the application period for provisioning centers is over. We actually have not begun to begin to review the applications because as the clerk, the ordinance allows me to get professional expert assistance. And clearly I've discussed my background. I'm not an expert in medical marijuana. So I thought it was very beneficial that I would seek the, uh, since the ordinance allows it, the ability um, to get professional experts. I have um, requested a financial um, advisor because as you know, um, while I was doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work in the in city government in Detroit and here in Pontiac, realized a lot of times the city invests in businesses or approve businesses, and then a year or two later they're closed. Sure. So it was really important for me to bring somebody on board, and I am happy to say that the mayor has finally signed the agreement for Sherman um, Taylor. He is a uh, certified public accountant and as well as um, an attorney, but he's being hired in his capacity as a uh, CPA. He has a, a grasp understanding of the um, medical marijuana industry. So he will be uh, helping score um, the applications for me, the financial portions. I've also asked for a, a legal advisor. That agreement hasn't been approved yet. And then recently, there are some great things that are happening in the city of Pontiac. Uh, Amazon is coming. We have a number of other developments that are coming in the city. So I didn't want the medical marijuana process to be stalled by other developments being reviewed. So I've asked for the assistance of a professional expert um, planning advisor. Okay. And, uh, in discussion with a couple of firms, so I'm not ready to announce who that planning advisor is yet, but hopefully we will actually begin the review process um, next month. That's what I'm hoping, provided that the mayor signs all the professional expert agreements. Okay, so how long will it be before uh, medical marijuana will be um, implemented in Pontiac, do you think? Now that I can't uh, tell you. Um, we're, we're receiving the applications. We've received applications that are like, two and three binders. Okay. So, but what I have announced is that initially I was thinking that we uh, will review all the applications before we would announce the top 25 from each district. I've changed that process so where we will um, review the uh, applications by district and then after a district has been reviewed, announce the top five. Okay. So then if they want to appeal, they'll have that opportunity and it doesn't slow down the whole process. Sure. So we'll review one district, make the announcements, move on to reviewing the next okay. district. And and how So hopefully mm -hmm, sure. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Keep going. So I was saying so hopefully we may be able to get at least uh, some facilities uh, up and running before the end of the year by reviewing them uh one district at a time. At okay. least that's what I'm hoping for. Okay. And how many applications did you get in and how many were, if you can say, were disqualified because of uh, various issues that they may have had? 
Well, we haven't disqualified any applications okay. um, at this point. All the applications will be scored, but we received a total of 103 applications. Uh, the four districts are Cesar Chavez. We received 17 applications. Downtown, we received 23 applications. The non-overlay, that's outside of the, the three districts, we received 48 uh, applications. And then the Walton Boulevard, we received 15 okay. applications. Okay. And monetarily, how much do you think will be generated in revenue and and the and jobs and opportunities in Pontiac if when this potentially moves forward? That's really hard to say without having reviewed any of the uh, proposals. Okay, but just along with the application fee, the application fee was five thousand dollars. So we've received over. Um, well, actually, we received five hundred and forty thousand dollars okay. worth of application fees because we've also received a couple grow applications, a processor, and a secure transporter okay. application. Okay. Um, moving on to to something a little bit different. Um, talk to me about the differences between Detroit and Pontiac uh, in terms of how the politics are played there. Um, what you see in the differences um, and where uh, working in Detroit has helped you uh, be a better administrator in Pontiac? Uh, the biggest difference I would say is that um, Detroit is a big city. Pontiac is a small city compared um, to Detroit. We're a city of 60,000 uh, people. The other thing that happened in Pontiac is because of emergency management, the city's workforce was pretty much out. Uh, well, a number of people were laid off or let go. So the city's workforce shrunk from 800 employees to probably maybe about 40 employees. Um, the Oakland County Sheriff provides our policing. Um, our neighboring uh, Waterford Township provides our fire services. So a lot of services were uh, outsourced. Okay. I say all that to say that a lot of institutional memory was lost in that process. So the city, in a sense, is starting, in some cases, from ground zero and building back up again. Unlike Detroit, which had a lot of processes and policies and procedures already in place that you just simply had to follow. We're now having to actually make policies and uh, procedures. And how? So I would say that it was helpful to have that Detroit experience because I have experience as to how um, policies and procedures work okay. in these cases. And I was going to say, how difficult is that knowing that you're starting, you know, from scratch and you don't have that institutional knowledge. Um, and, and I'm using sort of even being at the newspaper as um, as an example. Um, the more you take the institutional knowledge away, um, you know, I found myself being uh, one of the few people in a room who could say, well, this is what happened in 1995 or this is what happened when uh, Sharon McPhail uh, had the lawsuit against the council in terms of holding two jobs. Um, so talk to me a little bit about how difficult it is um, when there are very few people who have that institutional knowledge. Uh, well, I mean, I don't have, you know, um, Pontiac institutional um, knowledge because I came 
um, in the midst of emergency management when I start working um, from for Pontiac. But the knowledge that I do bring is, you know, the, the public administration uh, knowledge. And that's helpful because as policies and procedures are thought about, I'm able to add that, you know, that may be a good idea or that may not be a good idea based upon some experiences like you mentioned about institutional knowledge. Well, that's a bad policy based upon, you know, this particular reason. I found that in the past to not work or this has worked. So maybe we should try that. Okay. And just sort of going through this, I mean, how how much do you enjoy um, being the clerk? Um, and uh, the difference is the difference that you are making in uh, with people. Um, I do enjoy uh, being the uh, clerk. Uh, I never envisioned myself um, being a, a city clerk. That was, you know, never anything on my uh, checkoff a list. Uh, but I didn't really. Uh, realize how much, well, I guess from having worked for a city council and in the mayor's office, of how much interaction I had with the uh, city clerk's office in the past in Detroit and getting a, a great understanding of the clerk's office and the uh, vast amount of responsibilities that the uh, clerk okay. um, has to take on. And what what was on your your checkoff list? Um, you mentioned your checkoff list. So what what is it that you wanted to do? Um, I mean, I, I'm doing it in, in a sense now. You know how sometimes you know you'll fall into something and not necessarily realize that it was something that you wanted to do. I've always uh, I got involved in government or public policy to make uh, government. Um, better to serve the citizens better and being in this position gives me the opportunity to uh, do that. Okay. And uh, before we get out of here, um, you wanted to talk a little bit about the presidential primary that's coming up in March and why it's, an import- why it's important. Um, and then um, in addition to the presidential primary, um, talk a little bit about the uh, DIA millage that is also um, on the ballot and why it's important for people not only to to come out um, for the presidential primary, but to also deal with uh, the DIA millage, which is uh, a, a very important issue. Mm-hmm. Well, as a clerk, you know, I have to be nonpartisan, can't sure. take a position sure. on any issues that are on the ballot. But in addition to the DIA um, millage issue that's on the ballot, we have two school a millage issues, okay. uh, school district of Pontiac that are on our presidential uh, primary ballot. So I would encourage voters to um, read each one of those proposals uh, very carefully and make a decision. But I, I did want to remind everybody that we do have a presidential um, primary on March the 10th. Um, you know, in Michigan now, as a result of proposal 18-3, there's no reason absentee voting. And we have seen an uptick in our absentee okay. uh, numbers, but you don't, you know, before you had to uh, be over 60 years old or based on some religious reason, or you weren't going to be in town to request the absentee ballot. But now if you want to vote uh, absentee, 
you can vote uh, absentee. So I did want to remind um, citizens of that and that it is an election and it is an important um, election, not only because uh, the presidential primary, but because of those three um, millage issues that okay. are on ballot. And, and talk about the two uh, dealing with this, the schools. Uh, one is for the uh, the sinking um, fund, and then the other is a uh, um, a millage, in essence, uh, renewal. Okay. Well. Okay. And so much has been made about the integrity of elections, and so how do you sort of ease the fears of people who don't believe their um, votes will count or uh, there will be problems at the, the at the ballot in the booth or or any of those things that um, are keeping people away from voting? Well, one thing that um, I've done is we have, you know, the, the voting pro- uh, process is becoming more and more electronic. So our uh, laptops, which has the uh, poll book, people will remember you used to go to the polling precinct, somebody pulls out the big book to check to see if your name is in the book to see if you know you could vote at that particular uh, precinct. Now that's all done on laptops. So I'm happy to say we will be getting uh, 25 new uh, laptops. We um, This will be our first time getting new laptops in 15 years. And as you know, as technology updates, our laptops were to the point where they were basically no longer uh, operable. So okay. I'm really excited about that. Uh, the other thing is that with poll workers, I'm making it mandatory. State law only requires that you have to be trained every two years. Every single election, poll workers will have to go through a training in order to work. Because I think it's very um, important. If you're only you know, working the election one day, two or three times a year, you may forget um, particular procedures that you need to take. So we want to make sure that we train all of our uh, poll workers and uh, chairpersons of our um, polling locations so that they can give the voter a good um, experience. Okay. Um, Garland, before we kind of get out of here, um, give me your final thoughts on uh, everything that we've talked about here, um, anything that uh, we have missed, uh, and any other issue that you might want to bring up. Uh, well, like I said, I'm, you know, excited to be the, uh, the city clerk serving the uh, citizens of Pontiac. Um, I want to thank the, because this is an appointed position, some city clerks are elected. I want to thank the city council for giving me the opportunity to serve the, uh, the citizens of Pontiac. Uh, I would also like, after this election, because we will also have a primary in August, and in the general election in November, as the clerk, I plan over the next several months to really engage the community um, to increase our voter uh, participation based on, you know, some of the things that we talked about in the past as to why uh, people don't vote is to really encourage people to actually you know, get out and vote and to uh, participate uh, in the process. And I would say uh, the city clerk, we have our um own website is PontiacCityClerk.com. So any information that you want to find out about the city clerk's office or to actually request an absentee um, um, ballot, 
application. You have to fill out the application first. It's all on the uh, city's uh, website. Okay. And thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And before before we get out of here, you mentioned something that I didn't know, that you were appointed rather than being elected as clerk. So talk to me about um, why you thought your uh, the leaders in Pontiac um, wanted you to take over the job and, and what is it that you brought to the table that gave them the confidence that you were the person that they wanted to be as their clerk? Uh, I would hope that, you know, it was my, um, experience. Like I said, it was, you know, a lot of institutional, um, knowledge was gone. The, a previous clerk had, uh, gotten elected the uh, city clerk in the city of Southfield. So, I think that was um, the reason why they gave me um, this particular opportunity. And then in addition to that, knowing that medical marijuana was coming, I have a background also in community development. I was previously serving as the deputy director of community development. So I think they thought that that would be um, very useful with that whole process. Okay. And and real quick, does that make the job uh, easier or harder to do knowing that your bosses are uh, all of the folks who are on council as well as the mayor? Well, my boss is not the mayor. Okay. Um, I'm appointed by the uh, city council. Okay. And I mean, I've had this discussion with my family. Previous appointed positions that I've had, I've served at the pleasure of one individual, whether it's been, you know, a mayor or one city council person or something like that. In this case, um, I work for, well, clearly for all the citizens of Pontiac, but for the entire uh, city council. So it actually makes it a little bit uh, easier. Okay. Well, Garland, I, I really appreciate you taking out time and telling us what you do as the clerk in, in Pontiac. It's it's always great to catch up with you and, and to be able to have some conversations and to kind of uh, reminisce on some of the things that uh, we did uh, back in, back in our past. Um, and one thing that I can say is that um, I credit a lot um of Brenda Scott and the staff that you worked on with Brenda Scott in sort of uh, grooming me about what was going on in city council. Um, Brenda Scott uh, was one of the people who, um, unlike several others, um, was very open door with me in, in, in helping me to learn the processes of what was going on in city council. So, you know, this is this has been, you know, a good first of all, it's been a great conversation, but it's also um what I think we both have learned through uh, working with Brenda Scott is is how uh, what the processes are and to uh, how to deal with people. And I think that that has helped my career and certainly has helped yours. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, it was my first experience and first experiences often are lasting um, experiences. And it really helped me to set my um, public service values that citizens always um, come first and, you know, continue to try to um, go by that. All right. Well, that's great. Well, thank you, Garland. Again, I appreciate you. And um, until next week, this is another edition of Beyond the Headlines, and you guys have a great week. As we leave leave Beyond the Headlines, I want to give our listeners an inspirational quote for you guys to ponder each week as you get ready for the new show. It's from Dr. Martin Luther King. It reads, If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. 
If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Until next time, we'll see you on Beyond the Headlines. Thank you.